0: Okay, this is the moment you've all been waiting
1: for. Phil, close us out. I'll I'll let you jump in here. Phil, you think they're going to get it right this time? To me? Yes, Phil, you.
2: All right, I'm Phil. Yes. I don't know. I hope they get it right soon so I don't have to hear you guys bitching about it. Everybody's bitching and bitching, like Bill O'Brien says. You know how hard it is with it, yeah, though. But I mean, really and truly.
1: If you going to the bar what? right now, what's your drink of choice?
2: <laughs> I stopped drinking, man. And I with no. all that
1: man,
2: shit. Big <laughs> presents The Drive with Sterner and Q
1: Ah, the drive is live and in color, and Phil, I don't know where you're listening, but keep doing what the hell you do, Big Phil. Well, oh, Phil, <laughs> Phil, Phil, Phil and himself. Phil. Uh, ain't no doubt. I'd like to introduce Phil to a little glass of yak. I just really think that is, that, When thing. you get a chance to party, that party. That may not be Phil's thing. You before. ain't smoking
3: uh, it or chewing it, Phil don't want it.
1: <laughs> huh? What'd you say? <laughs> if it ain't gummies, it ain't.
3: If he if you can't roll it or it ain't gummy, he ain't he don't want to do Bill's it. That ain't thing. Huh? He, that that uh, that was right. Yeah. That was straight,
1: straight yeah. hippie
3: hash, baby.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, 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 hey, yeah, a little, a little. I, listen, I normally don't like, you know, us our show getting cut short. Yeah. You know, for uh, the coaches' show during the season on Mondays. I agree
3: wholeheartedly. I think we should probably just run that from now on, but. I guess not. Maybe the coach should just come on with us in the six o'clock hour, in the five o'clock hour during the season next sounds year. Mar- hey, Vandy, that sounds like a pretty good idea, man. You and old Johnny can take it, take the day off, or maybe just do the six o'clock hour. Let's get it
1: on, baby. That'd but be I, good. But I was all right with it yesterday. <laughs> yesterday yeah. is Cal McNair, and, uh, and 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 Nick Casario, who we'll get to, spoke yesterday after the firing of Lovey Smith. A lot to answer to. Now Cal McNair, he did what he normally does: reads a statement, and then uh, and then sent Casario to the firing squad. But this was this was Cal McNair yesterday talking about where he potentially will be as, uh, as they look for another head coach.
3: For this hire, I'll be taking on a more active role in the process. The league has done a great deal of work to establish an equitable and inclusive head coach hiring process, which we fully support. The structured process allows us to begin the head coaching interviews virtually this week, and we can begin interviewing candidates in person after the wild card games. As we conduct formal interviews in this process, Nick and I will operate very transparently and keep the media and fans
0: updated on our progress.
1: All right. Uh, Cal McNair, from his mouth, said he's going to be actively involved in the search this time. Saying basically, this this thing is going to run through yeah. me, Clint. And I yeah. know you've been asking.
3: Loved it, man. I mean, I, look. I mean, Cal, Cal's not going to walk out there and be real presidential with his delivery. No, I mean, it, it, it's if if I had to guess, I mean, it seems as if Cal read that read that uh, that his statement there maybe once about two minutes before he went he went live. Didn't seem like didn't seem like he you know that's something I, that you I, I, that's I think something he, I think he ran through that three or four. No, I don't. I, Cal Sharpened it. I've, I've talked to Cal. I, I think I think that's Cal walking in go hand, somebody handing that thing to him that he typed up in the office and and he just flat out reading that Joker. Man, you, them nerves might
1: get the best of you. When you it, get
3: up there. But 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 other than that, point point is 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 you know with the exception of of kind of you know how it looks just reading a statement like that from an owner of an organization. Um, once you get beyond that, I absolutely loved everything that Cal said, and I, I, I some of it was in that cut right there that Tyler played for you. But I but I've got four, I got four bullets here from from Cal's comments that I think were absolutely huge. And if you're a Texans fan, to me this is this is should be music to your ears. He first and foremost he very specifically said Nick Casario is an elite talent evaluator. Mm. Not not a GM, not a leader of men, not a manager of people, an elite talent evaluator. I don't think that 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 list was cut to elite talent evaluator coincidentally. Like I I, th- I think there's there's something there when the owner mm. leaves your GM to just that, and I I for one greatly appreciate it. Not because I think less of Nick or I don't think Nick's capable, just because I want the owner of the organization putting it on the table. I'm I'm tired of everybody else. I'm tired of passing the buck. I'm tired of the dysfunction. I'm tired of the incompetence. I want the owner putting it on the table. For
1: you, you took that as right now what he is. Right now what what I that's it. That's it. He's he's an elite talent. As the owner of this organization
3: And and two years experience with Nick Casario, what I'm willing to tell you, the fan base, is we've got an elite talent evaluator in the GMC.
1: Some might say I'd leave that elite part off, but just say talent evaluator. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe but a good but one. That, a that, good that, one. It
3: was Cal's words right there. Word. So, so I thought that was important. Number two, he said, we have a plan. We'll execute it together. Really emphasizing that he and Nick are going to work together. together. For this hire, I'll be taking on a more active uh, role here, which means he is literally, he's out there saying in front of us all, I am going to be... The, the decision maker ultimately in this process and in the way he wrapped it up this is all we can ask for as fans right this is all we can ask for we will operate transparently and keep the media and the fans updated he didn't have to say that show he didn't have to say that cuz what that does right there now i don't know what's going to happen moving forward and I, and i'm not i'm not one of these guys going to blindly trust cal at this point as a fan no no, no reason no, to. no reason to but i love what he's saying now moving forward you got to hold up to this, Cal. You got to operate transparently, and you got to keep media and fans updated. And I'm not talking about this What my man at the end of the, the press conference yesterday asking him questions to, to Casario. What do he call him? What do he uh, say? Uh, word, uh, oh, word salad. I, I'm not interested in a bunch of word salads now. I'm not interested in that, man. Operate transparently. You're going to keep the media and the fans updated. I, I, I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's the stand-up thing to do. I think it's absolutely 100% necessary from Cal's perspective at this point in time, and and I'm here for it. I loved what Cal had to say yesterday, man.
1: And say, Clint, and then when you build off of what Cal had to say, and then you move to the person who spoke next, and you listen to him answer questions, and you listen to Nick Casario, like, you listen to Cal, and you say, all right, Cal's read statements before, and, all right, now, yeah, he is saying he's going to be more involved. But when you listen to Nick Casario, it was very clear, Clint. That, that Cal McNair, Hannah McNair, whoever, somebody in ownership got to Nick Casario, and Nick Casario made Cal McNair sound a lot stronger. Nick Casario made Cal McNair sound like somebody who is running the show, putting his, putting his foot down here. This, this is just a little bit from Nick Casario yesterday. When you say a different tune to Nick Casario humbled, whatever, I heard Landry calling him neutered, whatever it is, he sound a lot different, and he sound like somebody that had a long-ass meeting with his bosses that made a complete change on how he operates. This is this is a little bit from yesterday from Nick Casario.
0: Can I do a better job? Absolutely. Am I committed to doing a better job? Absolutely. So I'm not going to hold anybody accountable other than myself. So I take as much accountability and responsibility, candidly and honestly, as we work through this process. And if there's candidates, they feel that, you know, whether or not my position, that, you know, I'm worthwhile to be in my position. If ultimately the best thing for the organization is for me not to be in that position, then, you know, I have to respect that and acknowledge that. And, you know, I'm certainly not above and beyond anything else. Like, at some point, if somebody feels that that's not the direction that we need to go, I respect that and acknowledge that. I certainly have plenty of things that I can improve and plenty of things that I can work on. At some point, if somebody feels that that's not the right decision for this organization, then I have to respect that and, you know, I have to, you know, I have to accept it. Nothing's guaranteed. It's all we're guaranteed is an opportunity. Like, let's be real. Let's be honest. I mean, the clock is ticking. You know, time is short. But that's okay. Like we work in a high-pressure environment, the expectations are high, and it's about performance. And if I don't do my job well enough, you know, in the end, and quite frankly, you probably think that I haven't done my job well enough at this point, and that's more than fair. At some point, decisions will have to be made, and the only thing I can do is make a commitment to our building, to our ownership group, to our team, to our organization. We haven't made, quite frankly, progress in enough areas, and I realize that, I recognize that, and I'm certainly not going to run from that. I'm going to hold myself accountable, and in the end, nobody's more disappointed in myself than myself so that's my commitment to the organization and if it's good enough it'll be good enough if it's not good enough then you know I have to deal with the consequences and you know I understand that and again like I said a little bit earlier if whomever we hire or whomever we decide upon doesn't feel that you know my role or the position that I'm in is appropriate for what we want to do moving forward I understand that I can accept that all I can do is provide counsel and provide the resources you know I'm going to be here as long as I can to try to see it all the way through and that's my commitment to the people in this room that's my commitment to the people in Building,
1: Tyler, Clint, you ever had Linda, Judy, Teresa just get in your tail and just go? I mean, just set your ass down and just let you have it, and completely made you feel different. I know you and Linda have gone back and forth, but I, I I believe there was a time when Linda, (laughs) when Linda put her foot down and said it. And set the tone a week and ago. just and just left you. And just we got left some you, ass to whoop tonight. And just left you like, damn, man. Right, let me start shredding lightly around this piece. <laughs> like that's what that that's what that's what that, like that 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 reminded me of the conversation Teresa had to meet having me one time when I forged her signature on a on on on, on a on a report card, so like a school note. Oh, it was a, yeah, it was a report card that <laughs> didn't go my way. I forged. I She came in and just set me down. I didn't even. I didn't even want to walk around the house. I'm gonna come over her. there and whoop that ass. I mean, listen. I don't know what went down in that conversation, that meeting he had with the. But he sounds completely different. And Clint, I swear, I thought as soon as it happened, like I'm not so certain. That even though we saw them make a joint statement yesterday or the day before when Lovey was fired, I'm not so certain that this means that Nick Casario is just safe at at all. And when I say safe, I don't mean, like, he gets the year. I mean, safe during the hiring process. Like, it looked like to me was like, hey, man, we're going to just keep watching right now. Yeah. But, like, the way that Nick's – I mean, Nick, Nick mentioned his own potential firing four or five times there. Like uh, about things, and so I, I don't know, Clint. Boy, that that changed my whole thought process on Nick Casario and how much impact and power he actually had will have on these decisions.
3: Yeah, look, I I love it. I mean, I it's not um, now. I'm not I'm not going to the space of 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 locking with the with the neutered aspect of things. I'm not, I can't get. I, he sounds to me like a guy that 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 came in uh, talking about doing it his way. Uh, and has tried it his way for two years, both hiring coaches, both I mean uh, uh, hiring head coaches, putting staffs together, dealing with adversities, and and ultimately it hadn't gone um, near well enough for the owner to say keep keep on keeping on right. And in the process, Cal McNair and Hannah McNair came to their senses at some point in time with Jack Easterby and mm-hmm. got him up out of there. And I think that puts that everybody feels like on that's notice. Been a term, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that 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 now that's on Now that's. Everybody else is on notice and you know you can get your ass up out of here too if you don't wanna if you don't want to get things right around here. And and I I I just love the fact that that it's 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 it appears that there is pressure on the general manager. You've said it a million times. Ain't no ain't no general manager ever got to hire three coaches. You're right. Well the one the first one that does get to hire three coaches should have pressure on his ass.
1: I mean, like this.
3: The the one that the one that is getting getting the 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 all this draft capital that everybody's excited about. You know what? You ought to have pressure on your ass. You can't afford draft to draft a guard 15 overall and that guy that guy not pan out in a year. Be, be the worst the worst first-round draft pick relative to some some grades that are being thrown out there, for what it's worth, in the entire draft. You can't do that. You, your other first-round draft pick, hell, he played out of position for the nine games that he was healthy. Like, you cannot do that. And it sounds to me like Kyle McNair and Hannah McNair have, to some degree, put their foot down and said, Nick, what's been going on around here is unacceptable including what you've been doing it's unacceptable and we've got to get it right and the pressure is on you nick Casario, cuz everybody else is gone lovey's gone jack's gone the pressure is solely on you to get this thing right i love i love some of the things that nick Casario said i he, he acknowledged that he was dis- his, his what he has done has been d- disappointing he acknowledged Multiple he, he acknowledged that there was a sense of urgency to get this right they gotta get this hire right. They gotta get this thing turned. I I, I loved Nick's tone. Some people look at it and say, boys, it's, it's like he just got a whooping and a stern talking to. Hell he should have. I mean, he should have. Ultimately. With, with what we've watched the last two years, he nobody should be comfortable. Right? Nobody nobody that's been involved in the decision making over the last two years should be comfortable. Should so be
1: comfortable I, with their job. No, absolutely
3: no. not. You should not be comfortable with walking up there and and to, again, to, to to using the word salad and uh, and and the the somebody asks you a very specific direct question and you start talking about evaluating processes and utilizing resources and, and 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 taking inventory and it's your responsibility to evaluate this or that man answer the question
1: my man out here he's he's down to making recommendations. What he said yesterday. Yeah, no,
3: I, I loved it, man. <laughs> I'm, I, I, not, I'm here making recommendations. I absolutely love this this Nick. Now there were times when he tried to go off into the into the the Can't the, the former Nick. I, I think there's, but but I, I thought he was
1: very. Like, would you let me see? Would you be surprised at all? And I want to read this report. Josina Anderson. She sent this report about an hour and a half ago. Well, well tied in the league. She said, I'm told there is still uncertainty surrounding the current front office situation with the Houston Texans. To put it respectfully, per league source, while the current structure assists ownership in navigating this offseason for the time being, it is tenuous at best. We'll see. That's from Josina Anderson. And, and Clint, I, I throw that. Would you be surprised if Nick Casario doesn't make it? and is relieved of his duties before the hiring process is over.
3: No, I would not be surprised.
1: Like, not even I, surprised. I,
3: I, I would not be surprised that if there, there is, and I don't know that it's D'Amico Ryan's, I have no idea. Um, you know, it, it, it very well could could be a, a Jonathan Gannon type of guy that came in last year and was like, yeah, I'd like to be here, but I'm not and working with this hell. dude. And, and Jonathan Gannon may be Nick's guy. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if 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 half the candidates say interview, in the interview process want to know where jack easterby is and who nick serio is and what they're up to and then then you're not winning football you're you're not hiring the best candidate at that point in time so i i think this year through the process if if either you know half the candidates that they sit down with meet with cal and have concerns then i think there's a good chance nick could be gone if the wrong one, if it is D'Amico Rines, maybe maybe D'Amico Rines, I don't think Demico Rines is he's as He's doing
1: that. I don't think he's calling shots like that. Well, no, no, I, no, what I'm saying is I don't think
3: D'Amico... like a lot of people think Demico Rines is at odds with ownership because he sued him. Oh, and yeah. that, that was over a turf deal. He, hell, he had no choice. That that made perfect business sense to 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 sue and go get that money. That was over the turf and, and it had to it had to be done the way that it was done. I, I would be shocked if Cal McNair and D'Amico Rines, either either party, the McNair family, the Texans, or D'Amico have any kind of ill will towards towards that particular uh instance. Now, if they didn't like each other when they were there, if they don't if they don't like each other during the interview, that's a different story. I, I just think that there's there probably is a candidate or two out there that if, that if he walks in and goes, Yeah, man, I love what you got. It's a great job, but I'm not I'm not working I'm not working for that dude. Uh-huh. I don't want him picking my players. I, I think there's a chance he could be he could be bounced. After right. hearing him talk yesterday.
1: I, I I'm with you on that. Uh we'll continue this conversation coming up with Seth Payne. Seth Payne will be with us here at about 2.40, and he is going to have Nick Casario on. Is that tomorrow? Tomorrow. tomorrow 7.30 a.m. so we'll continue this conversation coming up at 2.40. You want to miss that. What the hell happened last night to TCU? Whew, i tell you what happened, though, dirty. God, yeah. I lost a hearing it. Yeah, You Ass-whooping. What the, What in the world happened last night? We'll discuss that coming up next.
2: Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. Yeah,
1: yesterday, uh, Clint felt real good. Like we both looked at him. He said, Yeah, I, I got the Frogs. I got TC. What was that score you had? 42 38. 42 38. You felt good about it. I was like, Oh, Whoa. I felt really
3: good about it. That, oh, my God. It only took George in three quarters to get their 38 to feel there. They, they got there.
1: Clint, you, listen, you played college football, you played in big bowl games. You cover it. You've watched. You've watched all these teams. You probably watch Georgia, and you probably watch Georgia probably what eight, seven, eight times more than that maybe. Oh yeah, you every probably, bit of it. You probably watched TCU several times as well. Yes. Sixty-five to seven. Mm. Sixty-five yep. to seven didn't even look like they belonged on the same field. It oh was-
2: my goodness.
1: I mean, I listen. I, I we could mess with you about your, your prediction, but. No, I mean, I think most people I saw said it'd be close, thought it would be a close yeah. game, especially how TCU played against Michigan. But, man, I fi- I thought that Georgia would be a little bit annoyed with the way they played against Ohio State, and to hear the talk, and I thought they'd show up and their defense would be a lot better, but I didn't think it would be like that,
3: yeah, no, I don't think anybody saw it, Thought it'd be like that. That that was the most lopsided. Uh, was it Tyler the most lopsided bowl game ever? His game and ever it was a national championship most lopsided bowl um, game ever, and it was a national title. Yeah, I mean, so look, I mean, it, it was it, it got it, it got bad quick too. Now I, I I thought here here's clearly TCU coming in. We knew couldn't be a team that would that against Georgia or really against any of the other three college football playoff teams. There was no way they were gonna be able to come in and turn the football over early in the ball game. Uh, a couple of times in in the in the opponent's territory, like you, you weren't you just weren't gonna be able to do that and 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 win. Uh, I didn't know that it would result in in a blowout the way that that it did. He, here's here's the thing for me is, like, I I want to know what in the hell Sonny Dykes did <laughs> did to Kirby Smart. I mean, Kirby Smart was working his vertical pass game up thirty five points late in the third. I mean, he he was he was blitzing. Safeties or nickel defenders off of a slot, and and just just I mean, killing TCU's quarterback Max Duggan again in the fourth quarter, did late you, in the third, early fourth. Did. Like what in the hell did Sonny Dykes and TCU do to, to he Kirby go, Smart? Call off the
1: dog. Oh, he never.
3: No, he didn't call him off. He kept he like, kept bringing him
1: dog. But did you see? Did you see Kirby before the game? Kirby was in a, like you know I would say you know, people say, well that guy's got that crazy look in his eye. Yeah, Kirby had it when Kirby did the interview with Holly Rowe before the game. She said, uh, "What's what's the thought with tonight?" And he said one word: aggressive. He said, "We we hunting tonight." I that's exactly how he said it. We going hunting tonight. I mean, and he looked. I mean, he looked like that's what. Yeah, he looked like like what my man Yost oh, oh, oh remember the Titans said. If they gain a yard, I'm pulling every one of you out. It felt like yeah. this was a, if y'all don't, Wasn't, y'all better score a half a hundred or more or y'all asses are, 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 are out of this game. He was on it.
3: Wasn't Kirby the one that he was asked at SEC media days, how kind of how it felt to be the hunted kind of deal? Like mm-hmm. we went, and he he said, we ain't hunted. At Georgia, we will never be hunted. we doing hunt. We're doing the hunt.
1: And they, I mean, they
3: did, man. Yeah, I man. Just. That's that uh, was a, a hell of a ball. I, I knew Georgia, or all year long, I felt like Georgia was the best team in America. I think Michigan pushed them at one point. Ohio State pushed them at one point. Tennessee pushed them at one point. Um, and, and so I, I think they were had already established themselves after the year as being the best team in college football. Uh, I, I think I think what that did, what those two games in the college ball playoffs, and particularly what the TCU game did. I, I think it really kind of catapulted them to a different level. Like they are in a league of their own. You
1: think they're above Alabama right now? Oh yeah,
3: now as they're, a program? they're above Alabama. They're above Ohio State. They're above Michigan. They're above. They're above everybody at, at, at this point in time. Uh, and in fact, I remember at one point I'm watching that game with with some buddies of mine doing a little college football uh, podcast thing. And um, I mean, I look up and Georgia's they finally put their backups in with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and and i remember saying look there there's 10 guys on that defense right now for georgia that are on the field right now that could start for tcu i mean that, that's that's how and look it's not that case it's not that Michigan are playing ohio state and they're playing tennessee but but i mean ultimately that's that's the way it was last night i think i think georgia really separated themselves as the number one uh and there's a large gap i think as the best well, a large program gap. I, I think there's a yeah i think there's a good size gap i tell you this there's a, there's a much larger gap between 1 and 2 than there is 2 and 3 i tell you that you got georgia and then you got alabama ohio state uh, even you throw Michigan in there, I think Clemson will be back in there. I think LSU will be there before you know it. I think USC at some point will will get there when they shore their defense up. Um, but but ultimately, I I think there's a larger gap between one and two than there is two in the rest of the league. If that's if right. if that if that makes sense.
1: One thing I'm glad I didn't do yesterday was, uh, and I said it yesterday. When we talked about this game. Is uh, all right. I'm just not going to start doubting Stetson Bennett anymore mm-hmm. on these stages. Not going to do it anymore. As much as I look at him and I can't see it, but the dude comes out and performs so much so that this fool, Tyler Milner, is rolling in like, hey, he sent a text to us. Where, where would you feel comfortable with the Texans drafting Stetson Bennett? Where would you feel comfortable? It's Just, just with- a question. Where would you no, feel- I think it's a fair question.
3: I really do. I think a is he the- and,
1: and, and so when he said it, I then said to myself, and I sent this to you, and I know <laughs> I know when, when Clint sends one-word answers, you know it's like there's hard conviction. I said, "Is he better than Davis Mills?" Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> knowing knowing that if he were in, in 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 front of us, it would have been a yes, no question.
3: <laughs> absolutely. when you when you I mean when like you, you
1: th- think like you think like Davis Mills coming out. And Stetson Bennett coming out. You, you think Stetson Bennett is a better player than Davis Mills? Because remember, Davis Mills, a lot of people said Davis Mills, had he not gotten injured or the next year, he'd have been a first-round draft pick. I don't know how many people say that about Stetson Bennett, but you do with your, with your eyes, Ted. Yeah,
3: look, I think tangibly, again, for all the folks that are ate up with size, and you look, at, you look at Davis Mills, he's your prototypical quarterback, and you're going to be in love with him. But I, I just Stetson is a guy that a year ago – I mean, I, I thought I thought we knew exactly who he was. I thought, look, they're going, they're scared to let him throw the football more than an average of eleven times a damn game. But Georgia's the one team in America that can get away with that. And then he just commenced to just absolutely proving me wrong, and 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 ripping the football all over the park. And I just thought there were several throws last night that Stetson Bennett makes that that I'm not comparing him to anybody else, but he makes he made several throws to where you're like arm strength's not a problem. And then you watch him outrun. To- then you watch, him, yeah, touch it. No matter if he's touching it, if he's driving it, it doesn't matter if he's on the run. Um, I mean, he he is he, he's good enough in all facets of the game. I think to 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 survive in the league and and be a backup in this league and be a a, a value to somebody in this league. I really do. I I, I like. I think he's a. I, I think right now, if I had to. If I had to 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 uh, pigeonhole is not the right word because this is a huge compliment, but I, but I think his his path is is kind of how you see Russell Wilson play the game. Mm. I'm not saying he's Russell. I'm just saying that's that's, that, that, that's, that's how he's got to win. Yeah, I mean he's got to win being a guy that's elusive, a guy that can extend plays, a guy that can that stays healthy by sliding because he can make all the throws. I mean, there's not. I, I, I don't.
1: Clearly, I, you let him just stand back there like TCU yes, did. Yes. He's gonna drive and make every one of those throws.
3: Yeah, but you look at the last drive again. They scored 18 points in the fourth quarter against Ohio State, and you watch. You watch that last yeah. that last drive. There were three throws in that drive show that were big time. I mean, just big time tight window throws, over the top throws. I mean, um, I'm assuming he's a high level processor. Don't know that to be true. I'm, I'm assuming he's a. When I say high, I mean higher than than. You know most of your college quarterbacks, and so that would have to hold up true. But I, look, I, I think he's a guy. I think the question is this: Do you think he gets drafted before Max Duggan in this in this in this draft? Yes, I just said the same thing. I think he does too. I I, I think I think when you look at his resume, because there's no I mean, when you look at a guy that made made a, a two straight runs to to national title ball games and 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 didn't just steer the ship. I mean, by the, when it came playoff time, SEC championship in playoff time last year, he was he was a huge part of what they did. And then all year this year, he was a huge part of what they did. Um, I mean, he it's gonna go down as 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 one of the best college quarterbacks in 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 terms of winning percentage and and, and playing big and being clutch in the big moment. He's gonna go he's gonna go down as one of the one of the best ever.
1: All right. Seth Payne coming up behind us. Seth Payne, he will be interviewing live tomorrow at seven thirty, Nick Casario. We'll get his thoughts on what uh, Cal McNair and Nick Casario had to say yesterday and what he anticipates the conversation will be like tomorrow with Casario. Seth Payne coming up next.
2: Take your Boy Scouts and go camping, you little bastard. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley.
1: That's right, The Drive here with you. Uh, Clint Sterner on the show, Hughley, Tyler Milner here. And it is Tuesday, a Tuesday, which means. One half of the number one sports morning show in Houston, Payne and Pendergast. Seth Payne joins us, former Houston Texan, and uh, tomorrow's a big one for you, Seth. You gotta, you got Nick Casario will join you guys at seven thirty. We heard him speak for the first time since the firing of Lovey Smith, and to me, to us, Seth, uh, this sounded like a completely different Nick Casario. This sounded like a Nick Casario that potentially may be operating differently. Your thoughts on um, on everything you heard from the press conference conference with Nick Casario uh, and, uh, and and Cal McNear?
2: Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I think this morning Sean and I kind of disagreed on the tone, hmm. and uh, it, and you know Sean was there in person. I only watched on video, but I I do I try to put myself in Casario's position, in in something like that where. I don't know. You've just um, you've just fired somebody. You're up there, and you're you're doing a press conference when obviously you're the the survivor in this situation, I suppose. I always uh, I like I always wonder what's the right what's the right posture to strike, and exactly, you know, how bold do you want to try to come off immediately after you're, you know. Whether you're, it's, it's admitting a mistake by firing somebody, even though there are extenuating circumstances here. So I don't, um, I don't know. I know that Josina Anderson reported that Casario's job might not be safe at this point. I would be really surprised if if he were gone. I think that heading into these past two years, I think that Cal McNair expected there to be a lot of difficulty and uh, uh, unrest. I'm sure he didn't anticipate that it would go exactly How it went for one. Jack Easterby used to be a a trusted advisor, and he is no more. So uh, things get sloppy. But I think you you can't predict exactly what kind of sloppiness it'll be. But there, there would be sloppiness.
3: Seth, what what do you think about the uh, the the Cal McNair? I mean, he appears. I was hoping for this, by the way, but he appears to be uh, at least publicly being more, a little bit more. Uh, forward about him being involved and in, in him working together with Nick in this decision you think that's it first of all do you agree that's kind of what you're hearing and secondly if so do you do you believe that's a, a good idea and, and, and your thoughts on that
2: um I, I think it's a good idea I guess I you know'm I'm, I'm a little confused just as to uh, you know how involved he was or was not before if you look at the GM search I think that uh, yeah, there was <laughs> there was a there was a search firm tasked with finding candidates, and then ultimately Cal McNair went and hired the guy that uh, you know both he and Jack Easterby wanted. So I think he was pretty involved in that. And then I don't know if it was just a matter after that of uh, you know trusting those guys to do the legwork and to uh, figure out what they wanted. Um, I, I it's it's dicey. It's always dicey when an owner. Gets more involved because sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes, uh, you know, when I was when I was in Jacksonville and Tom Coughlin had almost absolute control, he went kind of hog wild on spending. And the owner at that point realized, okay, I got to leave football decisions to football people. But when it comes to the business side of things, I might need to. Inject myself into this a little bit more. So, I, I as long as as long as Cal is letting the football people make the genuine football decisions, but that when it comes to doing something unorthodox or going way out of whack, that yeah, the person controlling the checkbook has to sometimes step in and and be the voice of reason.
1: Seth Payne here with us, uh, and he'll talk with Nick Casario. He he and Sean Pendergast tomorrow seven thirty right here on Sports Radio six ten. Uh, is it fair? Uh, Seth to 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 think that all right now that Cal McNair is saying he's going to take a much more active role on the hiring process is it fair to to, to then take it to the point of the thought that Nick Casario was the one who had most of the decision making power on the previous two that turned out to be absolute atrocities yeah. like, is that I mean because yeah. I, I hear what you're saying but hell if 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 Cal wasn't involved in the first two, Somebody else needs to be involved in, in this. Yeah, next well, one. I,
2: you know, I don't know, because I don't know if I would classify the Lovey Smith hire as an absolute atrocity. <laughs> um, no, I don't. Excuse like, me. did you? Oh, I'm sorry. I were sorry you expect-
1: sorry, I didn't know. Oh, that was- okay.
2: Were you, I, like, I don't know, like, what? to what end were they hoping, like, what were they hoping the outcome would be? Because um, you can't have a conversation about any of this, honestly, and that's where I get disgusted with some of these people nationally. You can't have a discussion about any of this without also bringing up the fact That when both these hires were made, you had a franchise quarterback who had just been paid a couple hundred million dollars, almost uh, over a hundred million dollars, that was demanding a trade in the first instance. And then in the second instance was demanding a trade while being investigated for two dozen counts of sexual misconduct. So at some point, I don't know where I don't know where the, the the guidebook is for. The be made when your quarterback with a record contract is demanding a trade while being investigated for two dozen counts of sexual misconduct, at which point many people in the league thought that they the Texans wouldn't even be able to trade him. So exactly which candidate are you supposed to bring in as you're also being sued by Brian Flores uh, as part of a racial discrimination lawsuit because of experiences he had in, in Miami. So, like – Given the backdrop of all that, remember, when Nick Casario accepted the job, he didn't have any idea that Deshaun Watson was going to be demanding a trade a few months after getting that huge contract. So the disaster was all laid out beforehand. I think the David Cully hire was a very sloppy undershooting of a coach that was meant to be kind of a custodian of the team until – until everything could get reset and figured out. And and they just shot – they shot low, and sometimes when you aim at shooting low, you you undershoot even further. So, with Lovey Smith, I would be – I would be really, really surprised if Lovey Smith felt confident that he was going to be around for three or four years. Um, like, he's been around the league for a while. He could read the writing on the wall and know what was up um, in the circumstances of him being hired. So, the Texans had backed themselves into a wall – and they can be held responsible for that. But as far as like not make, I, you know, I guess they couldn't go out and grab the perfect candidate who wanted to come here without knowing whether the Texans would get any draft picks out of Deshaun Watson and what the implications would be. So
3: yeah, that's I mean I, that that's a, the how they landed on Lovey. I, I think I'm more I'm more into the the process of it all, Seth. I mean I, the. the 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 way in which it, it, it you you brought up the what was the Miami coach's name I forgot I forgot his damn name Brian Flores Brian Flores and yeah. and Josh McCown and it's, to me it's it's how they landed on Lovey and and clearly that wasn't part of the plan and clearly that was just a knee jerk okay we've got an audible and now what are we going to do with if Lovey's our guy it's more of the process the lack of a plan that resulted in Lovey being the guy and abs, and ultimately ending. Ending in a place to where now the organization—I was just looking down at, at, at a Tony Dungy tweet and Robert uh, RG3 tweets talking about how much of a, a, a dumpster fire the Texans are for for firing the uh, Lovey Smith in, in in his first year. So it's yeah, just I mean, a mess any way you look at
2: it. Well, it's a mess, but it's kind of like you ever you ever make a mistake in a football game, and then the next year you're playing that same opponent and the coaches showing film from the previous year, and you've already been yelled at for making this mistake like th- you know, 40 times last year, and then all of a sudden a year later you're getting yelled at again for for a mistake that you made a year ago. Like that's what that's what everything that's happened in the last two years was, and as you try to clean it up, it looks like, you know, the, the moves you're making to clean it up are being rolled up into the – very things that you were doing before that led to where you are. And it's just I, – like, I don't – so what was the perfect thing last year when they were trying to hire a coach – Deshaun Watson was under investigation. Nobody knew whether the criminal charges would be dropped or not. A lot of smart people thought that the Texans weren't gonna be able to get anything for Deshaun Watson. Like, what was the proper move then? I think go I think the whole Josh McCown thing was idiotic. I think that was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Well, see, Don't but that but wrong. that
1: but we can't leave that part out, Seth, because while they're cleaning up the mess, right. and I'm gonna say there's a mess that was left, they're also yeah. peeing and pooping all over the floor as well themselves <laughs> right. while the mess is happening. Like to get to Lovey, what we can't leave out is they didn't have a process, like Clint is saying, that even had another, like their A plan was Josh McCown. Like that, right. <laughs> that, that so, is-
2: right. Which is like, okay, so Josh McCown gets hired. And again, I think it was dumb, but if the thinking was, look, we're going to suck anyway. Let's hire Josh McCown, and it'll either be a flaming disaster or maybe it'll actually work out and we stumble into something. I think it was a PR nightmare, and I don't think it was a, the right thing to do. But at what point – so when they recognized just how far they'd gone down the wrong, l- wrong road – and then, by the way, you know, part of the fallout of that was within several months, Jack Easterby would be fired. Big – big Josh McCown guy, Jack Eastby was. So that was all the mess that led to there. When they get to the point where they realize, wait a second, what the hell is happening? And some people were talking some sense into leadership in, in the building. When they realize, crap, what are we doing here? And they hire a guy who hadn't even been part of the interview process. Are you, are you really expected to see it out with that guy that was an emergency hire? So like the Lovey Smith hire was a mistake hire. The David Colley hire was a mistake hire, but at what point is moving on from a mistake or moving on from a forced decision the absolute wrong, atrocious, awful thing to do because it's a sign that you're just lost as an organization? Like like at some point you do move on from mistakes. Like the, the San Francisco Forty ers had two head coaches in two years. They fired Chip Kelly. Um was was that was that the worst possible thing they could have done to fire Chip Kelly after just one year?
3: No. No, yeah, I'm I'm right with you on this. I that, that, I'm right with you on the point you're making, Seth. So so keep keep on rocking and rolling. I have no pushback, brother.
2: Yeah, I don't know, and it's like, yeah, it all was a mess. I just don't. I like. I honestly don't understand the. I don't understand. I can I can disagree with people, or people can disagree with me about various things about this. But to discuss to discuss those two hires and leave out the Deshaun Watson aspect. To take that out of it is just a complete misrepresentation of everything. It's irresponsible. It's, it's dishonest. It's incompetent on the case on the, with some of these national reporters are doing all that. So you can still be critical of them for it. But to act like these are decisions that were made under normal circumstances, it's just dishonest. Like it's just not – not, it doesn't jibe with reality. Seth,
3: I, I'll I'll add I'll add this, and, and we're talking more about the firings of the two coaches after a year. I think at this point in time, I, 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 to to me the part that's frustrating on top of what you're saying about the national criticism of 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 the Texans, number one is pe- people aren't in the know of what's really going on, but two, you're, we're talking about really really high level football minds, and I don't know where you necessarily sit, Seth, on, on just the football aspect of it. But I try to I try to have several different frames of mind here. When I watched what was going on in Houston, regardless of no talent, regardless of everything, the there was plenty of football reasons to move on from this particular staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when good football minds don't acknowledge that, it, and, and instead they're uninformed on what it really was going on, I, that, that's a that's a part that that bothers me uh, as well.
2: Yeah, and that's where um, I guess the it, it, now what are you saying? They're like as far as Nick Casario not recognizing what was going on. No, with, I'm just talking about the criticism
3: the of of the, the the Texans in general. Which I think the criticism is more oh. about Cal McNair and, and yeah. mo- moving on from two yeah. two coaches in, in two seasons. Uh, ultimately, yeah. is is I mean, if anybody that that knows the game and watches the game and covers the game, played the game, coached the game at a high level, you watch what was going on in Houston, and you're like, they're they're going absolutely nowhere. There's no identity. There's no leadership. They're not. They're not getting their best players involved. Um, they're making zero yeah, no, progress. And that's,
2: no, and that's where like it's just it's so easy for for people to like not pay attention to Houston all year long, and then from thirty-five thousand feet say, well, it's unconscionable that those two guys would be fired. But um, by the way, are those guys at the top of anybody's list for potential? I haven't seen David Callie like on the, in the top thirty-seven of anybody's coaching candidates for head coach. I think Cody's still living on the it, street here, Chief. Yeah, is it unconscionable to fire a guy and then, like, and then not even like none of these talking heads that say it's just absurd and ridiculous that the guy who didn't, who the guy had been in the league for decades and then claimed at the end of last year that he never realized you could. That you could go up tempo to get to 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 provide a spark through a team, uh, like they, like yeah, all these things that were just absurdly bad. He's not at the top of anybody's coaching list. It's just that it's the ri- most ridiculous thing ever to just to just fly by and make these broad accusations without. A, like, like, huh, I don't know. It's just it, 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 the Texans put themselves there. The Texans put themselves there completely. They, they, in a sense, they deserve all of it because they put their trust and faith in Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby. Nick Casario put his faith in Jack Easterby. Like those guys allowed themselves to be led around by somebody who, I don't know, may be a genuine idiot. Like I don't even like I'm not even sure. I'm surprised Jack Easterby even knows how to read. Um, I've never heard such incompetent drivel spewed out from somebody every time I hear him talk, and yet important people like Cal McNair, Nick Casario, Bill O'Brien were led around by him uh, like children. So, yeah, I don't I don't get that part of it either. It's a very stressful time around here.
1: <laughs> All right, Seth, we, we will be listening tomorrow, 730, as you will have another person that they put their trust in, Nick Casario that's got them in this space. We'll uh, we'll be listening tomorrow as uh as uh you have him on seven thirty. Should be interesting.
2: Yep. See you guys.
1: All right, that's uh Seth Payne, former uh Houston Texan. You can hear him every day right here on sports radio, six ten, uh six to ten AM. All right, coming up the biggest stories of the day, the big three coming up next.